0: Welcome back to Keeping It Current. And for those of you who are expecting an episode on austerity, well, it is now going to be episode three, as there are more pressing issues to be talking about right now. That is due to what has happened in the last couple of weeks in Westminster. So we're going to be speculating about what happens next in the Brexit process. Are we leaving with May's deal? Are we leaving without a deal? Is there going to be a second referendum? Is there going to be Brexit at all? And this week we're joined by a different political analyst for one week only. This is because Jacob Breeze is away in France on the French exchange and is up to who knows what. So who are we joined by then? Is it a bl- bird? Is it a plane? No, he's back for more. It's everyone's favourite young Tory. And know what are you are going to say? There's a young Tory? It's Matthew Dean of course. <laughs>
1: Uh, I kind of express my gratitude for being invited to be the analyst on this show. It's an uh, absolute
0: it, honour. It's a pleasure to have you back, Matthew. Also, we have a special Keeping It Current report all the way from France from Jacob Reed. See, we just cannot get rid of Jacob. I really just, we just can't. Okay, now it's time to talk about the cabinet and how they voted on No Deal. When the Parliament voted on No Deal the other week, it was revealed that there were four abstentions within the Cabinet on the No Deal vote, as well as several Tory backbenchers. This is as big a crime in politics as Donald Trump's hair, because they broke the whip by not voting against it due to, uh, well, they were going to vote for... Uh, I think they were going to vote against the motion, weren't they? Yes, yes. Yeah, so it was like... And then they had to... It was, it was quite complicated because, obviously, the amendment went through, which was a complete shock due to this, um, obviously, cabinet extensions. So, um, because it, they, they just broke the whip and when they're not voting against it, and with abstaining, it's technically not voting against the whip. But mm-hmm. they haven't done what they have been told to no. do by the parties yet. Yeah, so it's, you're not technically breaking
1: the whip by abstaining, are you?
0: Yeah, so, yeah, that's basically what we're going to tell the listeners here. Uh, yeah, so the thing is here, it's the fact that it's put May under even more pressure, if that was even possible. As with her votes, she could have won the key no-deal votes, couldn't she? I think she could have, yes. Um,
1: I think the abstentions were those who didn't think that Theresa May's deal was good, but also just couldn't yes. simply vote in favour of no-deal. and. That by abstaining, you're not breaking the whip, so yeah. it's it's quite a cunning thing to do. Um, but no deal's never going to be off the table, however many times you vote against it. I don't think. And neither is Theresa. What well, the indicative vote tonight? It's so, very interesting.
0: Yeah. So uh, Amber Rudd, David Gooch, yeah. uh, Greg Clark, and David Mundell all yes. voted abstained. Amber Rudd. Most... Amber Rudd is yeah. one of Theresa May's most loyal cabinet ministers isn't mm-hmm. she you yes. know obviously she picked her as home secretary obviously didn't win scandal she, she was quite she a radical resigned.
1: remainer though as well yeah,
0: yeah yeah that's the thing she had to balance it out so uh, Matthew do you think that this shows that May has lost all authority of her cabinet in
1: my opinion uh, no not all authority uh, she's still got lots of uh, support there um, from the core executives so I'd say Lidington Hammond uh, what's his name Sajid Javid Sajid Javid that's the one and Hunt um, all of which I think was, was Javid actually campaigned to, to leave. Um, all of wh- all of which do support uh, Theresa May strongly, though. So I wouldn't say at all that she's lost support of the cabinet. But out of recent times, compare the support of Theresa May and her cabinet to that of Tony Blair when he gained power, or even even David Cameron in two thousand and fifteen.
0: Yeah, yeah. Because you look at Blair, it took a long time for some of the ministers to resign over the whole Iraq you wasn't it?
1: Oh, yeah, well, Iraq war, that kind of defines uh, Tony Blair, in my opinion, as a conservative.
0: <laughs> okay, so, you know, obviously you've got the idea of collective responsibility, uh, it kind of like, it does undermine it a wee bit, because um, mm-hmm. they haven't really backed the Prime Minister. They haven't come out and gone like, oh, I'm, I'm not going to back the Prime Minister, just say they are just gone like, oh, we want no it's deal. It's all very subtle,
1: they, isn't it? Yeah, they're like, yes.
0: we don't want no deal at all. But then it's like, they're, they're maybe not the biggest fan of May's deal, who knows what. But they basically haven't come out and said, oh, right, we cannot stand May's deal, or we cannot stand uh, no deal. And like, yeah, and as you said before, most of them are like big, were big remainers in yeah. the campaign, you know? Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, so it, it also, it, as it says, it, as I say, it shows that, they clearly disagree with the rest of the government on this matter and i feel that they should resign really because may is like she's um, it's hard enough for her as it is already with all her with some of her loyal cabinet ministers who she's trusted with these high up positions in mm-hmm. government and they're not going to help her at all so uh, matthew do you think that collective responsibility has been undermined in these votes
1: slightly okay they still collective responsibility is still there in correct form in correct shape. Um, collective responsibility always will be there. The prime minister has the power to appoint who she wants to her cabinet, so she's always going to appoint people who agree with her views more. Um, so I mean, unless then you've got to unless say... I mean the the only. I'd say the only one that's really kind of if you if to a certain extent the, the member of that cabinet that's most against her, I'd say is Michael Gove. Yeah. Um he supports a no-deal Brexit. So
0: say Michael Gove isn't isn't like one of them like ones who probably come out and say it like a Bojo or a Rhythmog or anything like oh, that. Oh no. But
1: it? collective responsibility, as we're talking about, hasn't been undermined. I think it's been what is the way to describe it? It's been bended quite a bit, if you want to say. It's like the boundaries... It's very different to how it's always been, it's like... but collective responsibility, unless there's great reform in, in our political system, it's still there, and if they were to fully undermine their uh, their collective responsibility, Theresa May has the right just to boot them out of the Cabinet, yeah. um, reshuffle as well, um, so we see lots of powers within the Prime Minister there, uh, dictatorial-like, actually, um, of how... How, in essence, she can just uh, actually decide all for herself. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, you're right, you know. The decisions of the country.
0: Obviously, she was like... She did appoint Bojo in uh, 2016 when she came yes. to power. Yes, yes, but he was, he's, he's... But the, she was trying to do that to appease like him and, the, obviously, the hardcore Brexiteers. You know, well, who doesn't like Boris Johnson? I don't. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so now it's time to talk about May's deal being defeated again. Theresa May and her withdrawal agreement have been has been defeated for a second time in the Commons, and John Berker says that she won't get a third bite of the cherry until she goes to Brussels and makes some significant changes to the withdrawal agreement. But this week, um, as we're going to see, uh, there's going to be some indicative votes tonight, and it's going to see which one of all these... I think there's, like, seven options... Yes. ..that the uh, the Parliament would prefer. It's not the cabinet. Uh, yeah, so... I don't know about this, but do you think this won't really go down well in Brussels, will it, Matthew? Because you know they go like, "Oh, uh, like, oh, we've given you this deal, but we don't want to give you a better deal because mm-hmm. all of these like like say if it's like the lead of a herd of sheep, like the UK's the leader of a herd of sheep, and you' got like or the flock of sheep like trying to follow it, like mm-hmm. saying, follow them out of the EU.."
1: Yes, well, um the bureaucracy in Brussels, let' say, um, won't accept. Kind of style deal, they will accept any deal. I would say, which is going to benefit the United Kingdom. That's simply just logical from their from their half. Um, so they're always going to give us a deal that's unsatisfactory to start with, and this is where um, ideas of this is where uh, propositions of kind of people say, "No deal." We should have a no deal. That's when that seriously starts being addressed, um, because with a no deal, you're completely free, free from the European Union, and I can completely understand that. But at the same time, it's, Possibly going to be a recession, short-term economic crash.
0: Yeah, obviously, food, food. The problem with like exports from the EU saying like, saying obviously EU is one of our major yes. trading partners. Well, e- in the UK. E- even
1: with these indicative votes, it has to be. Um, They're
0: not legally binding. It's, it to, it's, it's not concerned. legally binding.
1: It has to be voted on by Parliament. Theresa May has then to accept that, and I, I'd be very shocked if Theresa May accepts a really hard Brexit, a really, especially a really, really soft Brexit e.g. remaining in the single market and the customs union, then the government has to try and implement that decision and the European Union have to ratify it. So it's looking very difficult, um, very tight.
0: Yeah, yeah, I, I know, it's looking very tight for me, obviously, it's a bit of a squeaky-bone time now for, uh, you know, it's, it's like, um, you know, Manchester United in the Fergie era, it's ta- getting to Fergie time now, can she pull it out of the bag? That's, it's, it's like a big question. It's like, obviously, she came out of Downing Street last week and yeah. said uh, blamed Parliament for her... Yes. Like, well, I think, him, yes,
1: I fortunes. think we, we saw this in a uh, Conservative Party broadcast recently, um, how uh, she said that Brexit and the British people deserve to have the deal followed through on. Because, I mean, even as a politics fanatic myself, Brexit, seriously, I'm, I'm getting sick of it. It's taken up too much uh, time, too much effort that can be spent on other issues in Britain. Knife crime, that's a massive issue at the moment. It's being completely overshadowed yeah, by Brexit. I, I'll say that. Using an analogy again, it's like Chelsea finishing 10th in the Premier League. It was completely overshadowed by Leicester winning the league. Uh, yeah. it's, 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 ver- it's exactly like that. Uh, because I know there's lots of listeners who don 't particularly know that much about politics and possibly do about football, so I uh, <laughs> try to use some Matthew Dean analogies there, um, even if you know i don 't know if you know fo- football either. Um,
0: uh, well, it's, it's better than some Jacob Reed Jacob, if you're listening, uh, I, I've got to say, Matthew's doing a, a, a very good job at not waffling. I hope
1: so. I <laughs> hope
0: so. Okay, uh, yes, I, I really hope to find someone in my life that looks at me like Theresa May looks at her Brexit deal. Because <laughs> they go, she goes, it's my deal or no deal. It's my deal on no Brexit at all. I, I think this is an attempt by May to really put the frighteners on well, their fellow MPs, isn't yes. it? Yes. Because you think, at the end of the day, the public voted for Brexit, and MPs are also elected to act on what the public wants. Okay. And surely there will be outrage from certain yeah. Brexiteers if Brexit doesn't happen. You know, you think you are Reese Moggs and uh, Bojo's, as it says, and, you know, uh, mm. David Davis. You go know, uh, so... By not voting in favour of Mayor Steele and taking no deal off the table, our MPs not really doing their job as well as they could by risking there being no Brexit at all, as they are meant to act on the best interests of the public. And the... I know people will go, like, oh, was saying, oh, the referendum was flawed and whatnot, but at the end of the day, 52% of the yes. people who voted, even though it was a small margin... Mm-hmm did a vote to leave. Well,
1: I think what really confirms this is that currently, in a re- well, many recent polls, between 70 and 80% of the public do not support a second referendum. They just want to see Brexit followed through on. And we saw that extra 20, 30% who radical remainers with this petition, 5 million signatures. And there seems to be a real divide here between the remainers and the Brexiteers. But from my point of view, yes, I would have to agree. Um, the will of the British people has to be followed through on. And you could say that it's changed with what people have seen, um, but (laughs) democracy is about choice. 70% don't want an extra referendum. They want to see Brexit followed through on. This is absolutely staunch clear.
0: Yeah, obviously, you get the problem of electoral fatigue, and I'm just going to say in this about. People are like getting sick of it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah May, they, they May, do want to see other issues. May calling on. that staff election 2017, yes. turned out to be the biggest shot in the foot ever by a PM, yeah. I think, well, because she cannot get anything through mm-hmm. Parliament because she has no majority at all, and she's there trying to appease the DUP with that £1 billion, £2 billion pounds that she goes and fogs mm-hmm. at them.
1: Oh, well, it's, yes. Um, that's a whole other issue with the Good Friday Agreement but they're not coming round to it at all are they? No they're they're not And um, it's interesting you actually talk about general elections Um, I really don't understand understand at the moment the Labour Party, especially the leadership um, under Jeremy Corbyn um, I think Corbyn secretly does back a second referendum but he doesn't want to come out and say it because of uh, the amount of people that support it and don't support it um, the, the amount that don't support it, oh, see, overwhelming. I think it like mean, the main right. part I'm getting to here
0: is why are Labour so desperate for a general election? I don't, I don't know honestly. Who would want the prime minister's job right now? It's who would want to be in
1: power right now? Supposed and at the moment, anyway. Uh, Labour have been polling at something like uh, 50, think... 50 less seats than they currently have. The Tories are polling yeah, I... at 240, which is, uh, I've got, to be honest, as a conservative myself, I don't know why, what, because uh,
0: I think... I, I think about it. I think yeah, what I think... people are thinking Last... is
1: that yeah. we are not particularly, well, Theresa May especially isn't particularly handled, handled this well, as well as she could have. And we'll get on to uh, the Canada-style deal that she was offered uh, later on. She hasn't handled it brilliant so far, but... The public are thinking, and what they're saying, is that Jeremy Corbyn and the Labour Party could not handle this any better.
0: Yeah, I know. Uh, say, that, I,
1: I really don't understand why the majority is so great because if you if polls show that we're actually polling about 240 250 seats which is a, a greater majority than 2015 it's like the biggest majority we will, will have had since the Thatcher years. Yeah, as uh, as, as fantastic you, as she was. As
0: you say uh, but I I would say you look at the polls now I think they're saying co- the Conservatives are like 7 or 8 points above the Labour yeah. and then obviously the fact is now, the problem is, we've kind of gone back to an age of two-party politics, or maybe yes. the fact that, obviously, I uh, think this is, a, this is a bit of a point I think I, I need to make, because the fact is that, see, like, Liberal Democrats have gone off the system, like, they, they were quite big powerhouse, like, back in the uh, 2000s, you look. yes. Then uh, yeah, so I think we kind of need a third party to help, like huh. help, like we need a fourth party,
1: a fifth party, sixth, the, party.
0: like a bit like, like a big amount of seats. Like, and then the S and P have got like about thirty odd seats. But I mean, somebody who offers for the whole of the UK.
1: Yes, yeah, I understand because you've got the Labour on one, well, the Labour, the <laughs> Labour, <laughs> on the one hand, who are socially left wing and so called progressive, and so and economically left wing as well especially under Jeremy Corbyn. And the Conservatives, who are socially right-wing to a certain extent, not so much as your uh, hard-line Conservatives in America, uh, and economically right-wing, there's no centre ground here. The Liberal Democrats, under Nick Clegg anyway especially, what he called neoliberals, which is mean they endorsed free market capitalism and market economy. They were economically right-wing, but they were socially left-wing and progressive.
0: And yeah, like yeah, we, they, we were, they, were a, they were they were a centre grounds.
1: They were a bridge.
0: Obviously, uh, right, So obviously now I'm going to talk about obviously the cross party bickering. And I think mm-hmm. what we need with Brexit is to stop this because um, Just as on. it doesn't help to stop the cross party bickering okay. because you know as it doesn't help with May going on about her no. deal. Yes. You know she going like, and then Jeremy but... Corbyn's going like, we will not. Going like we will not yes. come and talk yeah. without there be without being be roughed off the table. But then again, you're saying you're, you're threatening that risk of there being no Brexit at all or being a severely, really long, extremely long extension period. Yes. Also, well, you... I think
1: yes. The view of politicians from the public at the moment is as low as it's ever been. Yeah. And even for, even from somebody like myself who likes politicians, actually likes them as people, <laughs> unlike the vast majority of the public, they've been childish. Mm-hmm. They've been extreme, ch- like Jeremy Corbyn, walk- just completely walking out of that meeting a couple of days ago. The Conservatives, Labour, and the other small parties, they are just playing party politics.
0: Yeah, start looking but in the national. Point start looking in the national interest. Because I remember, I I think it was was Liam Fox who did a speech at the end of one of the debates last week. Mm -hmm. And he was just concerned. I think he wasn't concerned about what the vote is happening for the people. Mm -hmm. His concern of getting one up on Jeremy Corbyn and the Labour Party, really. Yes. I think what they need to do is kind of have a consensus here. Because you've got Labour who come and fantasising over another general election. But why did they want that, as you said before? And then you've got Lib Dems asking for a second referendum. The S&P can't go two seconds without mentioning the word independent. Yes. And then UKIP seem to always stick their nose in when it's not really needed. Like, you know, for I, Well, Farage's not a member of UKIP now, but you've got like, say... That's a new story
1: with UKIP and how... You, yeah, you
0: get, yes. you get your like, Tommy Robinson's really extreme... Yes. You, like, people like that. I'm not saying about Farage, but Farage maybe had a... oh, no, no, i I'm, I'm him... writing my
1: whole EPQ on this, I know. Within the difference being... between right-wing parties Within and being...
0: fascism. Yes. With him being Farage, like Farage is a member of the European Parliament. So yeah, he's for kind the Brexit
1: of... party now, actually. Yeah, New, newly party. formed party. Because you could have gone down that really radical route, um, expressing... Yeah, I mean, when like in the, in the words of Nigel Farage, he said something along the lines of maybe when you look at Islam as a full religion, because there's a few of these extremists Mm -hmm. who use it and use out of context quotes from the Quran as an excuse, Yep. I mean, it's frankly stupid, in my opinion. I think the vast, vast majority of the British public would agree there. Um, but anyway, yeah, I don't know what we're saying about like, you yeah. sticking their noses yeah, in. Yeah,
0: like, sometimes you get, like... They have say,
1: progressed to a radical yeah, party I, now, I, I know,
0: yeah, and then you get, like, Gerard Batten or... Mm-hmm. A, Batten, yes, he's the yeah, leader. ...comes on a TV shows and says they really need to get on with it. But then they're not, they don't even have a seat in the House of Parliament anymore, so why No, they don't. They? I,
1: they, have, they have one lord... They're, they're,
0: they're not really needed there. I know. And they've obviously... completely
1: gone into disillusion in the European Parliament with defections as independents to the yeah, Brexit Party. Paul, Paul Nuttall's
0: gone.
1: Paul, Paul Nuttall went independent, but now he's the uh, deputy leader of the Brexit Party. I think it's the general secretary. Um, yeah, other leaders, I think one defected to a libertarian party, a small party. Um, and then there's been a split in the European Parliament. Uh, the European Parliament groups. There was the EFDD, Europe for Freedom and Direct Democracy. Now another group has broken off, and that's the ENF. I think it's Europe European Nations of Freedom, which is a much more radical version, like like a bit like your BNP, uh, but maybe not as radical as that, not holding full on racist, anti-Semitic views. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, yeah, yeah.
1: And that I think that shows the distinct line. Uh, between kind of right-wing populists and uh, and then kind of your um, fascists
0: in a way. Yeah, yeah, yeah you know, uh, obviously, you get, like... I know, like, people were criticised for us for being quite right-wing-based, but he isn't actually, at the end of the day, he isn't, he isn't a, like, a fascist, like... Oh, toy, no,
1: certainly not. So right, so. No, it's it's no. simply frivolous to make that claim, <laughs> I think.
0: Yeah, so all I can say is, do you think that... Just all the parties just need to get a grip and just get on with their jobs, which is which at the end of the day is to run the country. Okay, you're making yeah. it very
1: difficult for me to look at this from a An neutral point of view on here. on the
0: public's best interests.
1: Well, that, funnily enough, as a right wing conservative, is something I've been saying for ages. Look, looking in the public's interest. Okay, and I look at polls quite a lot. I'm quite a pollster, if you want to say. Um, <laughs> Looking from what the polls say about people's opinions on a second referendum, about leaving the EU, and specifically about leaving... The, I mean, I get told so often by close mates who don't share my political views at all um, that I'm, like, such an idiot for what I say. But I, I just take facts from polls. and I, it's, it's funny, I, I, I struggle to believe in this. But when looking at all the deals, the one that is supported the most right now is a no deal. I mean, you can say all oh, uh, you want about say, in the short term recession would... if it 's what people want, this is how democracy works i mean if, you're, if you if 're actually saying that you know power here should be in the hands of the politicians who yes, you can argue no more and <laughs> that they are called politicians because they know lots about politics they 've been elected by the people. But yeah. democracy and direct democracy, we had a referendum which is an element of direct democracy. But I, I think. It has to be followed through on. Not... And in my opinion, this is my opinion, we should crash out in two days' time with no deal. But we're not going to crash out in two days' time because the EU
0: has yes. to the 12th of April now.
1: No, and the EU have recently said uh, that they're prepared for a no deal. But. Um, I don't know if they are. And I think, actually, that's a, that's a thing that they're very scared of. But anyway, back to neutral, Matthew Dean. Let's look from, the other, let's look, let's look from another point of view.
0: Okay, so, uh, right, well, better get moving on now. Better get moving so, on. I've spent now, too much time waffling on there. Now it's the... time to talk about the extension of Article 50. The other week, MPs overwhelmingly voted for an extension to Article 50 by over 200 votes. Yeah. How long this extension will be... is is now in in the hands of the EU. They've given us one until the 12th of April, and that is if we don't vote for May's withdrawal agreement. Mm -hmm. But if we do, we uh, we go out on the 22nd of May, due to the fact that there's European Parliament elections Mm -hmm. on uh, the 23rd of May. Mm -hmm. So uh, the thing is, Matthew, if if May's deal doesn't go through, do you think that we will just crash out with no deal, or do you think we'll... May will go to Brussels and ask for like a one year, two year extension.
1: Uh, well, no, I don't think she'll ask for a long extension unless Parliament votes for it, and Parliament is overwhelmingly remain. But whether they're overwhelmingly in favour of a long, long extension, and whether that's what the British public again want, um, I don't, th- I don't think it is. Um, but no, I don't think, I don't think they will vote in favour of a two year extension. Um, people are just getting sick.
0: Yeah. Of I,
1: I mean, and article 50, article Fifty, obviously, it's part of the Lisbon Treaty that sets out what happens when a country decides it wants to leave the European Union. Um, it allows a two-year period for negotiations, which is what we had. Uh, so we're, we're breaking that kind of statute anyway. Um, it comes to it comes to an end on the 29th ninth of March. So in a way, you could say it's it's, it's betrayal. Um, I really can't see. Um, a reasonable argument to why we why we should long term extend it. To be honest with you.
0: Yeah, so you know, like all this extension talk will be completely useless if the EU won't either budge on the May deal and like yeah. Give her oh, no, any, not, yeah. especially given the assurances on the backstop and things mm-hmm. like that. So, you know, it, it'll just be like Groundhog Day all over again. It'll be like, vote on the deal, the deal is defeated by Parliament. Vote again on a slightly tweaked deal, the deal is again defeated by Parliament. Matthew, do you think that the EU will budge on their position over Brexit Do it during the extension period at the minute? Well, they're not obligated to say yes to anything that we propose.
1: They have, they kind of have the of the cards
0: um it's like if you're having a, a game of, of poker the, you got they're the ones who they're they're who they're the people who are dealing the cards right oh now, yes
1: yeah yeah um whether they'll i can see from my point of view a complete u-turn in what's going to happen uh, because there's my prediction here is i'm not very good at predicting things I th- there's a very well, good. The there's, there's ex- an extremely the good. Ball. There's an extremely good chance here that all seven deals actually could be rejected. Yeah, you think, and if, then would leave with No Deal.
0: I think you're saying as the indicative votes if, are saying.
1: It's it's when these and this is when it comes down to either an an extension or not. It's when think of this scenario: all seven votes are rejected, yeah. then it's going to come down to crash out with No Deal in two days' time, or, or long long extension.
0: Yeah, um, and I yeah. think
1: that I think in that they would have to accept a no deal. I really don't think a long extension would would work well politically, would work well socially among the British people, um, would work well for the European Union or for us. Well, in a way, it would work well for the European Union and them
0: gaining some clout. But. The thing is, this this is bound to this issue is bound to like put fractures in even like family relationships like someone like you oh. say say if say if um, for example say if matthew you're, you're you know yeah, you're, you're going to vote for exit if you voted in the referendum right, and yeah. say if there's a member of your family who voted remain and you could have arguments over that for years literally mm-hmm. because of obviously people only voted well people vote for the situations that they're in you got like your Reese Moggs, Who he's doing? I, I don't know whether you heard about this. He's doing very well since the referendum in his uh, uh, company. Is it Somerset? Is it Marking something like that?
1: Somewhere in Somerset, yes. Yeah, he's
0: he's got his own company, and I think they're they're doing the best they ever have done since the referendum in twenty sixteen. Mm-hmm. Also, it, it's like people. At the end of the day, it's natural for people to go and look after themselves. Try and get the best life yes. they can. A job
1: of a politician, though, isn't to look but, in their yeah. interests, but to look in their constituents. Yeah, but the, at the interest. end of the day,
0: I think like some of these politicians maybe are looking into their best interests. Yes, I could say. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah, they definitely are because they like, like, I'm pretty sure you have got some of these front benchers who have never ever spent time in their constituencies. They'll be like, they go like, you can see them going on BBC News or whatever, like saying, "Oh, um, I want to, I want to go to the Canada Plus deal, but." Is that what your constituency constituents want? Is that? Is that really a right like way to approach this? Because you know, at the end of the day, it's your constituents who voted to leave or remain, and you should be representing the best
1: yeah. their like best interests. Anna Soubry, her constituency of Brockstow voted fifty-five percent to leave, and she's one of the most radical remainers as part of the second referendum. Uh, so I think it's an extreme example of somebody not not acting in the interest. Carlisle, where I live. John Stevenson, Uh, he voted to remain. He's uh, one of the Tory rebels that uh, has rejected many of May's proposals. He he voted
0: for Parliament to take control, didn't he?
1: He He was one of the rebels that voted for Parliament to take control. Carlisle voted 60% to leave. And Carlisle's one of the few uh, constituencies that the vast majority supports a no-deal. Like, Pelican, West Cumbria... Uh uh for I think places like Sheffield, those kind of uh kind of industrial areas.
0: Yeah, so you got as to say about the extension, obviously oh, so you got to get the EU leaders approval of it if, if it does go on for another year or so. You've got to get their, their approval of it, as they're members of the European Council, of course. Uh-huh. You know, uh, so do you think that the other member states... Are, what do you think that they're thinking right now? Do you, do you think they're going like, oh, we're not going to let them have any bridging time ah. at all? Or do you think that they're... Like, these smaller countries might go like, oh, yeah, but we want to keep our trade links with the UK as long as possible. Like.
1: There's various member states. Uh, to name a few, Italy, Czech Republic, Hungary and Poland have Eurosceptic governments in charge... Um, and uh, I think what what uh you 're terrified of here if if all goes well it's just going to lead to other countries wanting to leave and a mass rise of kind of Euroscepticism skepticism across europe but yes, the European Union and the uh the european council um, mm. how how they how, how all vale view this and how well obviously i think all countries are ultimately going to favor free trade unless um
0: then, kind of I, I, I think uh, Macron was saying something that he wasn't going to l- let them have a longer extension, you know. But then oh. I'm mean, thinking Macron's got bigger problems of his own at the minute, to be honest, so oh, yeah. he can keep well, his nose out of it. I'm not a fan of Macron at
1: all. <laughs> yeah, so... Yeah. Uh, you no, know I stay for, like, the French people, yeah. Je n'aime pas Macron. <laughs> Et je n'aime pas Marine Le Pen. Yeah.
0: OK, yeah. Matthew's brilliant French yeah.
1: there. What grade did you get? Uh, j'ai un B c'est mon français. Where? Ouais.
0: Oh, did you get a six? B. And B. Yeah, that's well, a yeah, six. C. B, a B, yes. Yeah. Okay, so now we're going to talk about the potential European Parliament elections. So, as we mentioned before, European Parliament elections are set to take place on the 23rd of May. And if Brexit has a longer extension than it has been given already, then the parties may have to put candidates forward for them. At the moment, only the Liberal Democrats and the Green Party have put candidates forward for them, I think. Yeah. Yeah. yeah right. So uh, Matthew, what do you do now if you're Labour or and the Conservatives? Do you A put candidates forward? Or B risk us having no representation in the EU while the Brexit process continues? Because you know, obviously you're saying that EU law is rules over statute laws Yes. Or, so you know, like Parliament then we to get our say on what laws come in while Brexit's going on mm-hmm. before we leave. No. Yeah, so what what would you do?
1: So the EU Parliament elections in this country are done um, in a way that there's a the party much...
0: the system as we've previously mentioned on Yes, the
1: end. and there's much, much more representation, okay, multi-member constituencies. Um, the way that the UK is heading anyway, and it will especially go this way uh, in European elections, is that there's many more parties. So it... In internal British elections, there's the dominant two, Conservative and Labour. Now, I view Conservatives yeah, here in the sure. European elections not getting that many votes. Um, in a, a recent uh, British poll, in the scenario that we would participate in a, an EU election in 2019, it says that the, the Tories would collect 28%, Labour, 29%, Lib Dems, 11%, SNP, 4%, UKIP, and this is a big one, 17%, because this is in the scenario that we remain, and the Greens, 6%. Now, this is a... This, uh, you could say in the European elections It'll actually get even more extreme to the smaller parties I'd say that the Lib Dems and the radical Remainers Will gain more The Green Party will take a lot of the vote from the Labour Party uh, UKIP will take a lot of the vote from the power. Conservatives And even a little bit from the, from the Labour Party Especially there. when you're
0: saying that um, Labour Are just like devised as hell over this Because you know like you go, They're going like Oh we want a second vote But at the end of the day we, They're putting their manifesto They want to act on the, ref- the result of the referendum
1: Mm-hmm. No, is that, is we've it? we've also yeah. got this new Brexit Party as well, um, which I mean, then th- it wouldn't have too much of a uh, of an effect because of these multi member uh, constituencies. Yeah. Uh, but it's uh, maybe the the radical Brexit vote, radical Brexiteer vote, split between the Brexit Party and UKIP there, because people aren't that politically of, uh, informed and don't think they would know all too much that UKIP have gone down this radical route. Um, but yes. If we were to remain in the EU, I can I can maybe even see a lot of people voting for UKIP or Brexit, even people who voted Remain, because just simply to say, look, we voted Leave, uh, and we should leave the European Union, and follow through on what the British people voted for. That's just that's just kind of commonsensical, really. Um, you say about the European elections all across Europe, um, in France. Uh, the current, I, the, know, the, current, the current strongest party in the European Union for France is the uh, uh, National Front of the Front National, as they say in France, led by Marine Le Pen. The current biggest just, party in Italy is uh, La Lega, which is a Eurosceptic party. Same in Poland and Hungary, led by the infamous uh, Viktor Orban, who's
0: kind of been the face of European
1: Euroscepticism for quite a while now.
0: There's just the thing that I was going to point out here is that these European elections do have extremely. Low turnouts. As I said, yes. in 1999, I actually think I heard that there's a vote on the reality TV show, show Big Brother got mm-hmm. more votes than in the 1999 <laughs> European
1: election. Well, that, that's unbelievable. But this European election, I, I, I've got to predict that to have a really people. high turnout.
0: More people will go, and I, I assume you'd have all the Brexit people come in, and people who voted in the EU referendum will come in to vote mm-hmm. in these European Parliament elections. Yeah.
1: So, so, no, I got confused by something. Yeah, also, another
0: thing government. that could happen is that we could see some radical Brexit parties form. There could be a Remain party, radical yes. Remainers, or you can have well, your well, radical... Well, no, already got that in the Lib Dems, really. <laughs> you could also have your radical Leavers, obviously, yeah, the Brexit yeah, party. Yes, the US, uh, yeah. Matthew, if this was the case, would the Remain party or a Leave party gain more seats in the European Parliament? Uh, that would be very interesting to
1: see the European uh, elections in this country go down to two parties in, in Britain called the Remain Party and the, the Brexit Party. I think the Brexit Party would certainly win in that scenario. Do you
0: think so? Yes. Do you not think that, Do you think you get a lot of people who are like... Yeah, obviously, got hardcore remainers. You
1: yes, know. but they're 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 a vast minority now. As I say, in, a, in polls, seventy percent of the country say that we should just leave the European Union, mm-hmm. and that they don't want a second referendum. So uh, it's there's, I'll say, i will say, a follow. But then,
0: then that could be different if you got if you got given the a different opportunity, a, a new opportunity, basically, because that's what it is now. But if there's another chance of a referendum, they probably would still vote to remain at the end of the day. Do you not know think? That's very difficult.
1: That's very difficult to um, to predict. Yes, I think there's a good chance that they could, but I think there's a slightly higher chance. I'm not I'm, seriously. I'm not just saying this because I'm a, because I'm a leaver. But people are looking and saying, right? There's already there's already a thing going around called the Democrats' choice, in which if in the uh, if there's a second referendum, it's about people who voted to remain that will now vote to leave. Because they're accepting of democracy. It's
0: been a really interesting episode. And have you enjoyed it, Matthew? I
1: have. It's been very, very interesting. Uh, It'll get even more interesting tonight. I'm looking forward to uh, the episodes once we leave the European Union in two days with a no-deal Brexit.
0: (laughs) Obviously, uh, as the indicative votes will be... Probably before this episode is released. So, uh, yeah, this is just a time of recording. We're looking forward to tonight to see what Parliament are voting for. So, uh, next time we definitely will be talking about austerity, and you have to hold me to my word about that. Okay, and you can get in touch via the Facebook page and the brand Spanking You Instagram page. Woo! Also, you can email current at outlook.com if you've got any questions or queries. And sadly, that's the end of the show. Thank you to this week's guest political analyst, Matthew Dean. It's been a pleasure. And thank you, as always, to Jacob Reed. Be sure to join us next time, where we won't be keeping it cool, but we will be keeping it current. Goodbye.